This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome to San Francisco City Insider, the San Francisco Chronicle podcast on the people and politics making headlines in the city by the bay. I'm Chronicle columnist Heather Knight, and I'm here today with Jeffrey Tumlin, Mayor London Breed's choice to lead the San Francisco Municipal Transportation Agency. The mayor said she wanted a visionary for the job, and Tumlin definitely is living up to that promise. We're talking today about his plans for Muni, his ideas to lower speed limits citywide and get drivers to behave better, and his vision for more car-free days in Golden Gate Park, Chinatown, and on Valencia Street. Jeffrey Tumlin, thanks for joining me today. So happy to be here. People are raving about you, which never happens at City Hall. So I was wanting to know, what is your secret? Uh, my secret is uh, a lot of directness and honesty. And Maybe that's why this never happened. <laughs> well, there's also some strategic humor and the right dose of outrageousness. <laughs> Are you enjoying your honeymoon period and how long do you expect it will last? I don't expect it to last long. Uh-huh. Uh, it's really fun. Uh, I've never had so much fun on social media. <laughs> uh, I keep checking in with city staff to see if I need to be reeled in. And everyone keeps saying, Jeff, just keep being you. Can you do that even when you officially start on December 16th? We'll see. I think I'm finding a voice, although I think my voice will dial back a little bit and become Have to be a little more official. A little bit more official Aww. once I actually start the job. I hope the fun keeps up, though. I don't think there's any way of doing real business without fun. Yeah, cool. Well, Mayor Breed said um, she wanted a visionary to lead the SFMTA, and you seem to fit the bill so far. If money and bureaucracy was no concern, what would you like to see San Francisco look like in five years when it comes to its streets, buses, and the way people get around? If you could wave your wand, what would what would our city become? I'm actually less interested in the physical outcome of what mm-hmm. our city would become and more about changing the attitude that people have about what transportation is for Mm -hmm. and how we interact with the city as we move around. I want the city to be safer. I want no one to have to fear traffic violence. Mm -hmm. I want our lower income residents to feel like they have ample access to Mm -hmm. employment, to school, to paths out of poverty. Uh, I want uh, our streets to be civil. Mm-hmm. I want everyone to treat each other respectfully when they're moving on city streets. I want everyone to feel welcome. Mm-hmm. And I don't want transportation to be an obstacle uh, for people achieving their dreams. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, you mentioned the word traffic violence in San Francisco. I've seen a lot of that this year. Um, there's been 27 people killed in traffic so far in 2019. And we're nowhere near meeting our Vision Zero goal of having zero fatalities by 2024. Um, The MTA obviously plays a major role in terms of engineering safer streets. And what ideas do you have to make our streets safer? And how will you implement those changes since everybody likes to argue about them for so long and they can drag on and on? So part of my work is about presenting Mm trade-offs. There is a fundamental trade-off in our city streets between convenience and safety. Mm -hmm. The human body is designed for a design speed of about 13 miles an hour. 
Uh, we can withstand a trip and fall at our peak sustained running speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, at speeds faster than that, we start breaking bones and quickly start dying. Mm. And so one of our choices is we could eliminate traffic fatalities in San Francisco if we're willing to reduce speeds. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, what would we have to bring it down to? Well, so we've timed Valencia Street for mm-hmm. a 13-mile-an-hour progression. Mm-hmm. In downtown Portland, Oregon, all of the city streets are one way and all of them are timed so that you never have to stop when you're driving, mm-hmm. but they're timed at about 11 or 12 miles an hour. Wow. Uh, and Does as a result- people move around? Do they move around efficiently at that pace or? Well, so what's interesting, if you're driving a car, the thing that is most annoying is being stuck. Mm-hmm. It's actually kind of nice to just drive mm-hmm. at a slow and steady speed, to never have to hit a red light, mm-hmm. uh, to not really have to worry so much about traffic congestion, except when you're getting on the freeway, mm-hmm. uh, and to be able to get to your destination and actually see what you're driving through on the way there. So it's one of the questions that we'll be asking ourselves in San Francisco is where do we fall on this tension between convenience and safety? Mm -hmm. There's no correct answer. It's all about risk management and values. Where do you personally fall on that spectrum? So if our interest is in safety and civility, uh, I say we need to stick to the design tolerance of the human body. Mm -hmm. It is fixed. Mm -hmm. Uh, If, uh, if this were any other industry. So in San Francisco, as you said, we've uh, uh, there's been 27 people who've died so far this year, over 3,000 injured. That's the equivalent of six 747s full of people every year. Wow. Uh, imagine if at SFO, they crashed a 747 every other month. Mm-hmm. There would be a response, a bigger response than I think we have pursued on our streets. Mm-hmm. We've become inured to traffic violence. We call traffic violence accidents yeah. as if it were an oops. Mm-hmm. Most of those crashes are preventable, but they require that we face tough trade-offs. Mm-hmm. And I know that we're not going to get from our current dangerous streets to safe streets anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Why do you think people have accepted that? Is it just because people don't want to give up their cars and they see that as the only alternative or... So the psychology of transportation is very complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, cars are designed to give us the illusion of control and autonomy and safety. Mm-hmm. Almost all drivers believe they are significantly safer drivers than everyone else out there <laughs> on the road. Which can't be true. Which is not true. Mm-hmm. And yet, cars are designed to cultivate that self-belief. Um, and so when we try to manage our streets to create safer outcomes, um, doing so triggers people's uh, thinking that government is trying to strip away their personal freedoms, mm. right? The freeness of driving is associated with our personal liberty and tied to our own sense of individual identity. Mm-hmm. Uh, fortunately, those attitudes are changing. Mm-hmm. Uh my generation was the last generation who believed the automobile television commercials that told us that owning and driving a car would bring us freedom, autonomy, social status, and sex. Mm-hmm. For younger people, uh, there's something else. There's another product that brings them all of those things, and it's a product that you're not supposed to be able to use, to, to, to use while driving. A phone? A phone. Oh, interesting. I never thought of that. 
Do you have a car? Uh, well, technically, I'm still an owner of a car because I can't figure out how to get rid of it. <laughs> um, no, seriously, I took, out, I took out a loan in 1995 for $500 to buy my car, and I never bothered taking the credit union off the title. Mm -hmm. And apparently, there are not good records going back that far, and I can't get rid of the car. Where until is it? it uh, it's parked for free on Diamond Street in Noe Valley. <laughs> and you just don't really drive it? No, I filed a uh, you know certificate of non-operation. Um, uh, and I need to, I think, spend the entire day at DMV to try to sort mm, out this peculiar problem. Yeah. What do you think of incoming supervisor Dean Preston's idea for free muni for all? So uh, like all big ideas in transportation, I'd like to frame things in terms of trade-offs. Mm -hmm. Um, so for many San Franciscans, the cost of a fast pass is an obstacle to mobility, uh, particularly given how rents are rising and incomes are not keeping pace. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I'd like to ask is providing free muni would cost us about $300 million a year, uh, which we could do with additional voter support. But if we had an additional $300 million a year, would our first priority be free muni for everyone mm -hmm. or would it be service improvements or would it be free muni for the people who most need free muni, mm -hmm. uh, including low income households uh, and the remaining children that aren't already getting free muni? Mm -hmm. So these are the sorts of questions that I want to pose all of our policymakers. How do we best allocate our limited streets and our limited money mm -hmm. in order to best achieve the public good? Um, you were quoted as saying a bus with 80 people is more important than a car with one person. And mathematically, that would seem to be obvious. But how do you translate that statement into policy since it seems like anybody who would, you know, think about riding Muni would have done it by now? Well, so this is where actually San Francisco is a global leader. Um, two years ago, one of my MTA staff people, Sarah Bernstein-Jones, uh, took advantage of Senate Bill 743 mm -hmm. to restructure the way we measure transportation in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. um, up until two years ago, it was the law that when we did a transportation analysis, uh, we looked at vehicle delay, which means that a person riding in the back of an Uber is 80 times more valuable than a person on an 80-passenger bus. Wow. And if you're on foot or on bike, it's not that you don't matter. Mm -hmm. It's that you matter only insofar as you're slowing down the people who really matter, mm -hmm. which are those people driving alone in a car. Mm -hmm. Sarah did the intense staff work to disentangle all of the ways in which San Francisco's own legal rules for measuring transportation system success completely violated our own adopted policies. So here in San Francisco, we've done that work to change our standard operating procedures to actually be in alignment with our values. Mm -hmm. And Muni has a hard time recruiting bus drivers in part because housing here is so expensive. Uh, what do you think you can do about that? So we've been having, so, okay, keep in mind, I don't start this job for another 26 days. <laughs> um, you haven't solved this problem already. <laughs> I have not solved this regional problem. That said, I've been um, trying to spend time uh, mostly in our maintenance and bus yards. I'm mm -hmm. um, talking with our workforce about how things are going. Um, our biggest problem uh, for almost every group that I've talked to is that we are understaffed, that mm -hmm. we have hundreds of vacant positions. Some of the problem behind those vacant positions are bureaucratic, and our new HR director is on that. Mm -hmm. 
Doesn't it take like nine months to hire one person? Yes. At least that's what I've been told. Mm-hmm. I'll be investigating that once I get on board. But the other problem, of course, is that while we are rapidly increasing worker pay, the cost of housing is outpacing worker pay. Mm-hmm. And so our staff are having to move farther and farther away. Mm-hmm. And the commute itself is destroying our ability to attract a quality workforce. Mm-hmm. And so I am asking questions out loud. Does Muni need to become a regional transit operator just to be able to get our workforce to work from Patterson? Mm-hmm. Does Muni need to use its surplus space to build dormitories so our workforce can have a place to crash during the week mm-hmm. because it's unbearable for them having to drive two hours each way to and from home? Mm-hmm. Um, does the SFMTA and other city agencies, what can we do to build more housing so that our workforce doesn't have to have horrendous commutes? Mm-hmm. The school district is building teacher housing. Have you thought about doing the same thing for bus drivers? Well, so we're, our real estate group is actually looking at all of our bus yards mm-hmm. right now to see what can we do on top of our bus and light rail yards mm-hmm. uh, in order to meet the city's critical housing needs. Hmm. You recently told Curbed, quote, at the risk of offending my Noe Valley neighbors, there's no excuse for single family housing anymore. Uh, what did you mean by that? So actually what I said was that there's no excuse for single-family zoning. Oh, they left out that word. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that's a key difference, right? So there are plenty of San Franciscans who live in single-family homes. I wish them well. Mm -hmm. But cities like Minneapolis and Vancouver Mm -hmm. have completely eliminated single-family zoning citywide, knowing that in order to address our housing needs, uh, we need to take advantage of every opportunity Mm -hmm. Um, to increase the number of housing units um, in the city. That while the medical industry has to clean up the mess of our transportation mistakes, we in transportation have to clean up the mess of bad housing policy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you think going forward, there should be no neighborhoods with only single family homes? That's right. Uh, And there's no reason to. In Mm -hmm. fact, uh, in almost all neighborhoods, Buildings that look like single-family dwellings, mm-hmm. many of them, in fact, have four units in them. Yeah. And you would never know the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, you're a supporter of Senator Weiner's proposal for more uh, apartments uh, near transit. It is not my job mm-hmm. to make policy for San Francisco. Mm-hmm. It's my job to observe what is needed in order to fill our vacant positions mm-hmm. um, and to make the transportation system work. And mm-hmm. housing is absolutely central to that. Okay. I'm going to list some ideas that have been talked about for years in San Francisco. As you know, everything is talked about. (laughs) For years. And little changes. Um, I want to hear your quick takes on whether they're good or bad ideas. Banning right turns on red lights. Um, In some contexts, absolutely. Mm -hmm. In urban contexts where there's lots of pedestrians, yes. There are parts of the city where there are rarely, if any, uh, pedestrians. uh, And where banning right turn on red would only inconvenience uh, our truck drivers Mm -hmm. who need to get goods to market. So in the downtown core, you would support it? Downtown cores, neighborhood commercial districts, Mm -hmm. uh, I would look at context. Automated speed enforcement? Uh, If we actually care about saving lives, uh, perhaps the number one thing that we could do is automated speed enforcement, uh, taking care that we protect the privacy of uh, the the people associated with those license plates. Mm -hmm. How would you do that? Uh, By uh, consulting my privacy experts and Mm -hmm. making sure that uh, none of that information were discoverable um, and that as the agency was collecting and evaluating data, 
um, that it was not attributable to individuals, Mm -hmm. um, except insofar as those individuals were receiving citations from our police department, Mm -hmm. which is very skilled at uh, holding on to the privacy of uh, all the individuals they interact with. Okay. Um, What about more pedestrian scrambles? Um, Again, uh, it's contextual. Mm -hmm. There are cases where that makes a lot of sense, Mm -hmm. particularly at smaller sized intersections with lots of motor vehicle turning movements. Mm -hmm. Um, They don't necessarily work at big intersections where the amount of time that it takes a pedestrian to get across the long Mm -hmm. diagonal, Mm -hmm. which we have to time for the slower moving pedestrians, Mm -hmm. then gets in the way of us, of our being able to move bikes Mm -hmm. reasonably through those intersections. Always contextual. Yeah. And congestion pricing. Um, so full disclosure, uh, I am uh, currently leading the San Francisco uh, countywide transportation authorities uh, downtown decongestion pricing study. Mm-hmm. I'll be recusing myself from that mm-hmm. uh, and probably shouldn't state an opinion on this topic <laughs> other than to say that in the transportation industry uniquely, we use time rather than price to support to balance supply and demand. Mm -hmm. For every other commodity, food, clothing, housing, cell phone bill, we use price to balance supply and demand. Mm -hmm. Uh, And mobility, we ask that people queue. Mm -hmm. And the result of that is our roadway system moves fewer and fewer people every year, Mm -hmm. even as we need to move more people. Mm -hmm. I would also say that as one looks at pricing as a solution for any mobility problem, the starting place should never, ever be revenue but always advancing equity and small business success. You're listening to my interview with incoming uni director, Jeffrey Tumlin. We'll be right back after a break. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Let's get back to my interview with Jeffrey Tumlin, who will take over Muni on December 16th. You said on Twitter the other day that you've already spoken with Phil Ginsburg, head of the Park and Rec Department about Golden Gate Park. Um, what was that conversation about and how did it go? So, uh, again, in uh, disclosure, uh, my company, Nelson Iyer, has been um, having a small uh, project with Rec Park about helping them to think about traffic safety in Mm -hmm. the park. Um, And so we're helping Rec Park get creative Mm -hmm. uh, and figure out, are there ways of limiting fear of traffic violence in the park? Um, while at the same time accommodating uh, the institutions and very diverse uses that happen in our most extraordinary asset as a city. Mm-hmm. What would you ideally like to see happen in terms of cars in Golden Gate Park? Uh, I'll let Phil Ginsburg speak to that. <laughs> okay. And would you like to see more streets other than market go car-free in the coming years? So again, I think the the answer is contextual. Mm-hmm. Uh There are lots of opportunities, I would argue, for having streets be car-free at certain times of day Mm -hmm. or on certain days a week. So, for example, Grant Street downtown uh, is a perfect place uh, during weekend shopping times to have, uh, you know, community space and programming Mm -hmm. uh, in a way that doesn't interrupt traffic flow and actually helps Union Square thrive as a commercial district. Mm -hmm. Similarly, Valencia Street, Mm -hmm. uh, I could see 
you know, a block of Valencia Street every Saturday Mm -hmm. um, hosting a concert. Mm -hmm. So what I want to do is to give our neighborhood commercial districts, uh, business associations, um, city planning department, the tools that they need in order to use the public right of way for the highest possible public good. If it serves more people, if it helps commercial districts thrive, Mm -hmm. great, let's do it. And the SFMTA has authorized four companies to um, put a total, I believe, of 2,500 electric scooters on the streets. What would be the ideal number of scooters in San Francisco in your mind? Again, I don't think it's about the number, Mm -hmm. but about outcomes. Mm -hmm. So my interest in scooters is making sure that they're not ridden on sidewalks, that they never tip over and block a walkway, uh, that the users can ride them safely that they're distributed to serve all neighborhoods that are interested in having scooters mm-hmm. rather than just the places where the affluent uh, or young live. Mm-hmm. Um, so scooters are a tool to help us solve some mobility challenges, mm-hmm. uh, particularly uh, accessing regional transit or rapid transit in the city, solving those last mile destination problems, mm-hmm. helping people get to lunch or run errands uh, from their jobs downtown. Mm-hmm. Um, I look more at outcomes mm-hmm. than command and control regulations uh, that, for example, uh, failed the taxicab industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, the transportation systems in the Bay Area are notoriously disjointed. Uh, how will you work with other agencies to make sure that they work together? So uh, part of the one of the first steps is greater fare integration. Mm-hmm. So we're really looking forward to participating in Clipper 2.0. What will that look like? Uh, remains to be seen, mm-hmm. but hopefully a lot better than Clipper 1.0, <laughs> which as More a user, yeah, yeah, could be a little frustrating. So a first step is um, fare payment integration so that you don't have to have seven different tickets mm-hmm. in order to get around the region. Mm-hmm. Another question is, uh, do we do transit agencies need to be issuing currencies at all? Mm-hmm. Why are we not taking forms of payment that people already have in their wallet mm-hmm. or on their phone? Um, the second is customer information. Um, why does my transit map just have an inventory of the services that I offer, mm-hmm. but ignore the other systems? Mm-hmm. Um, our user interma- information should be oriented around the customer not around industry insiders. Um, we also need to do a lot better job connecting to regional providers such as Caltrain. Mm-hmm. Um, it can take as long to get across San Francisco to get to, to Caltrain yeah. as it takes to drive all the way down to the South Bay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What cities around the world are doing things right when it comes to transit innovations and safe streets? So my husband is Dutch. So I have a lot of particular fondness for some of the Dutch cities mm-hmm. uh, and not just Amsterdam. I think Utrecht and Rotterdam are mm-hmm. very interesting peers for San Francisco, as is Copenhagen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I look to cities like that for thoughts about how to make a transition from being a more auto oriented place to being a more bike and pedestrian oriented place. Mm-hmm. But for rail, I look to cities like Lyon, which are doing a fantastic job taking advantage of what's predominantly a surface rail network, Mm -hmm. um, but where the trains never have to stop at red lights and where they offer express service Mm -hmm. on the same tracks as the local service. Uh, Of course, the larger Asian cities are utterly fascinating, but operate at a very different scale than we do. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also love cities like Strasbourg that place such a high emphasis on the quality of design, Mm. making using public transportation and other public services 
feel luxurious and special. Wow. Do you feel like Muni is luxurious and special? <laughs> um, it is often special. Uh, <laughs> Not I love, in a luxury way, though. I love writing Muni. Um, and, I, you know, Muni taught me how to be a San Franciscan. Mm-hmm. Muni taught me the importance of uh, that I'm not alone, that I do need to stand when a pregnant woman or an older person gets on the train. Mm-hmm. Muni taught me to not wear my backpack uh, mm-hmm. on the subway. Uh, it taught me to pay attention to my surroundings. Um, and it exposed me to all kinds of different interesting people who helped me question routinely, who who am I? What is important to me? Mm-hmm. And what's my role? Um in contributing to this remarkable society that we live in. All that happens on Muni. Why didn't it teach everybody else those lessons? (laughs) Well, I think that it takes a while to learn, (laughs) right? So part of Muni's job is to teach San Francisco culture. Mm -hmm. We are a city that still brings in a lot of newcomers, and we all have a responsibility to train the next generation how to live civilly Mm -hmm. in a city. Well, now I'm going to turn it over to um, people who follow you and myself on Twitter. I asked them last night what they wanted me to ask you, and Uh-oh. here are some questions from them. <laughs> Why is curbside parking allowed in front of some bus stops, and will you try to eliminate that citywide? Well, so here's another classic tension over limited real estate. Mm-hmm. Um, to what degree should we prioritize um, subsidized car storage for our residents on public land? Uh, versus safe and convenient access to our buses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't mean to say that in a glib way, because as a San Francisco resident who does park on city streets, I understand what it's like to come home late at night with groceries in the rain, trying to find a space close to my house. Mm-hmm. Um, I would argue that the solutions are about more careful management to make sure that we are managing the parking system so that the people who need to use it can reasonably find a space mm-hmm. while at the same time prioritizing our most vulnerable residents and the greatest number of residents uh, who may want safe access to the bus stop, mm-hmm. uh, particularly for people in wheelchairs or yeah. people pushing strollers. How would you find more parking then? Well, so one of the things that I will want to question is why do people like me still own cars Mm -hmm. in San Francisco. Um, Part of the reason why I never got rid of my car before is it's so cheap. Mm -hmm. I don't have to pay rent for my car housing. The Mm -hmm. city gives me a rental subsidy. Hmm. So so I do want to ask, in San Francisco, we have plenty of room for more people. The geometry of the city is such that we don't have room for more cars. Mm -hmm. So how do we make the transportation system so reliable and convenient and safe and civil that more San Franciscans like me feel like, you know what, it's time for me to get rid of my car Mm -hmm. because it's easy for me to get around without one. And if I need one, I can rent my neighbors on get around Mm -hmm. uh, or use a ride hail service. Okay, another Twitter question. What do we need to do to get police enforcement of drivers blocking bike lanes and crosswalks and speeding? So I do not run the police department. And for that, I am grateful. (laughs) Um, That said, uh, I am very much interested in not only collaborating with our partners at the police department, but also with our state legislative delegation in order to um, 
prioritize the safety of our more vulnerable street users, but also give us additional tools to make enforcement more cost effective. Mm -hmm. Like automated speed enforcement. Like automated speed enforcement, like being able to issue moving uh, violation citations for driving in a bus lane or driving in a bike lane Mm -hmm. or being uh, Uber dropping off in a bike lane. Right now, those violations are extremely difficult and expensive for us to enforce Mm -hmm. because it requires literally a enforcement officer on every block Mm -hmm. and it requires a police officer on every block. I can't even use my parking control officers in order to enforce those violations. No, they can only enforce parked. That's right. Um, This is just more of a statement. Tell him everyone hates, in all capital letters, the new trains, and we have no seats on the benches, and it's very uncomfortable and awkward to squeeze in and try to sit. Plus, we all keep sliding when we sit. What can be done? Right. So this is another classic tension. Uh, So the more seats we put on a train, the fewer people we can put on that train. Mm -hmm. BART is facing the exact same problem, and BART riders have to travel a lot Mm -hmm. longer distances than most mini metro riders. Um, So that is a challenge, uh, and we have opted to add more doors and offer more space for standees uh, in order to address our crowding Mm -hmm. and rising ridership. Um, At the same time, we know that there are things that we can do with seat design to reduce some of the sliding around. Mm -hmm. Uh, Other systems have done that, and we're learning from that. But more importantly, um, our priority is delivering more rail cars, which we're getting in every month. Mm -hmm. And even more importantly than that, hiring more operators um, so that we can um, have more service out there so that our buses and trains are not overcrowded. Another Twitter question. Is it possible for the SFMTA to make SF streets safer proactively rather than reactively? The status quo seems to be that people have to die to get safety improvements. So we have good data uh, about the performance of streets. Um, Data is not the obstacle uh, for helping us redesign streets for more safe outcomes. Um, The political challenges are, frankly. As I pointed out before, speed is the most significant contributor Mm -hmm. to the severity of any crash. Uh, But slowing down speeds means it's going to take longer to drive from A to B. Mm -hmm. Are we ready to make that trade-off? Are we ready to make the trade-off of strategically reducing capacity? Um, I think the Tenderloin is a great example. It's our, uh, our greatest concentration of vulnerable residents and our highest rate of traffic injuries and fatalities. Um, The Tenderloin is currently designed to distribute freeway-bound traffic to wealthier neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. Many of those streets have three lanes. The traffic signals are timed for fast progression. Um, We could make the streets of the Tenderloin a lot safer and a lot more welcoming to the residents of the Tenderloin, but it requires literally getting in the way of residents of other neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. Um, that is a hard choice for our policy makers to make, mm-hmm. but one we intend as an agency to reveal the tensions and trade-offs yeah. and to help guide our policy makers to make those tough calls. Mm-hmm. Uh, another Twitter question. Do you plan to keep being awesome at Twitter? <laughs> well, uh, so I've really enjoyed the last <laughs> week on Twitter, as some of you have noticed. Um, I doubt that once I am actually the director, I will have as much time. Um, But I do want to continue being very direct and honest with the public. And I do also want to continue being a little bit outrageous with the public Mm -hmm. because 
in order to get people to think more holistically about transportation, we need to change their minds. And to do that, we need to get their attention. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes to do that, we need to get people to laugh. Mm -hmm. I use humor strategically mm -hmm. um, because of the way that it works psychologically. If, mm -hmm. I, if I can get people to laugh at me, I might be able to get people to laugh at themselves. Mm -hmm. And if I can get people to laugh at themselves, I can get them to radically change their perspective. Mm. Relatedly, can we count on more obscure Gen X references going forward? 100%. Okay, cool. And then this is also just a statement. One woman on Twitter wrote, tell him I already love him with red hearts, and she may not realize you have a husband. Um, tell her I still <laughs> love her too, okay. even though I'm married. Okay. Now it's time for our famous lightning round. Uh-oh. Where is your favorite place in San Francisco to get a burrito? <sighs> can I give you two answers? Yes. Okay. Nostalgic reason, mm -hmm. Taqueria Cancun uh, on Mission at 19th, only because they had the best burritos in the 90s. <laughs> it's, they're not quite the same. Now it's on my way home. Uh, what is it called? Um, the one on Castro Street, La Tortilla, uh -huh. because I love the ladies there. And you can sit in the window and watch the parade on Castro Street in Aww. the evening. It's fantastic. And the buses. That's yes. right. <clears throat> what is your favorite movie filmed in San Francisco? Vertigo. Where is your favorite place in the city to get a stiff drink? Mm, so many choices. <laughs> um, my uh, my queer Twitter nude uh, tw Twitter nerd friends uh, came out uh, with me last night uh, for a drink at the Edge. Okay. What was your first concert? Mm. Oh oh um, uh, Frost Amphitheater, uh, Grateful Dead, nineteen eighty seven. Yes, you went to Stanford like I did. So I that did. is a Stanford reference, everybody. Uh, what year did you graduate? 1991. Okay. You're older than me. Uh, what was the last book you read? Uh, I'm in the middle of uh, Sapiens by Hariri and book three of The Three-Body Problem by um, Shijin Liu. Wow. I've never heard of this. It's, it's, it's actually really good sci-fi. I recommend it. It's <laughs> okay. been fantastic. What is your favorite Muni line? Oh, 22 Fillmore, hands down. Why? Uh, it was, it, when I first moved to San Francisco, uh, in the early nineties, um, it made me fall madly in love with San Francisco. It goes through the most unlikely sequence of neighborhoods mm -hmm. of any bus line in the world. And everything happens on the 22 film. <laughs> what is your least favorite Muni line? Mm. Oh, I don't have a least favorite Muni line. You know, there is not a single Muni line that doesn't go through something interesting. Mm -hmm. There are no, there are no bad ones. They're just bad there days. Bad there are bad days. <laughs> there are all, there are really bad days. Some have lines. a lot of bad days. Yeah. Okay. Will you commit to getting the boat tram out on the streets more frequently? Yes, Yay. I've been very public about this. Okay. How often <laughs> and when? Um, so as soon as we have enough operators, mm -hmm. uh, like my uh, my objective once we're fully staffed with operators is boat tram. Every day it's not raining. Ooh. Yeah, all year long. Oh, that's amazing. Because with the lights on, even in the winter, yeah. it's, it's glorious. That's awesome. Um, I personally think cable car rides should be cheaper than $7 each way for kids. Do you agree or disagree? I am interested. Actually, I'm big interest in fair policy in general. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm a, I have a big interest in supporting the visitor economy, which is very much a part of the base of San Francisco. Mm -hmm. So uh, whatever optimizes um, ridership and revenue is the right fare for the cable car. 
uh, and thinking uh, larger about revenue, include you know, because uh, uh, Muni is funded by sales tax mm-hmm. in addition to fares. Mm-hmm. So things that support San Francisco businesses benefit Muni. But you said visitors and some locals would like to take their little kids on cable cars more often, but a family of four yes. would then have to pay $48 for a round trip. That's right. Not, that's too much. That's too much. Okay. Agreed. You said it here. <laughs> <laughs> what driver behavior drives you the craziest? Uh, unintelligible announcements. No. Oh, I actually not, meant drivers uh, of cars, but that you took it as bus drivers. Yeah. Yes. So bus driver behavior. Yeah. Unintelligible. Yeah. So bus operator behavior. Uh, I want to make sure that. I mean, we are in the service to the public. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm in the service to our operators. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I want to make sure that our operators are giving information to, the, to passengers. Mm-hmm. We will have delays. Mm-hmm. I can guarantee you there will be catastrophic delays that hit the system. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure every time that happens that we're giving the best information that we can uh, to the public. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that includes not just the operators, but making sure that we at One South NS get out there into the field to direct passengers uh, when things fall apart. Mm-hmm. And in terms of drivers of private cars, what is your uh, behavior that drives you the craziest? Um, arrogance and entitlement. Mm-hmm. Um, we all have to share the streets. Um, the same kind of civil behavior that happens on our sidewalks naturally mm-hmm. should happen when you step inside a car as well. You're still a human being. Um, you're not playing a video game. <laughs> And lastly, what is something you always make sure to squeeze into your busy day? Uh, well, always coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, all, almost always, when I can manage it, um, meditation. I can't mm. do this insane job without <laughs> that. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming. It was fun to talk to you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks to Jeffrey Tomlin for joining me today, to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and to you for listening. San Francisco City Insider is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. If you like this show, please subscribe and give us a quick review wherever you get your podcasts. Support San Francisco City Insider and a lot of great journalism with a print or digital subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe. Subscribe.